Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket, Book the 11th, The Grim Grotto, Chapter 8. The water cycle consists of three phenomena, evaporation, precipitation, and collection. The three phenomena known collectively as a phenomena of what is called referred to the water cycle. The second phenomena, precipitation, is a process in which vapor turns into water and falls into rain, something that you might be noticing during a rainfall or by going outdoors on a rainy morning, afternoon, evening, or night. This falling water, you notice, is as rain, which is the result of a phenomenon of precipitation, one of the other three phenomena that compromise the water cycle. Of these three phenomena, the precipitation is regarded as the second one, particularly if the list of three phenomena take take places precipitation in the middle or the second spot on the list. Precipitation is quite simply the term for transformation of vapor into water, which then falls as rain, something that you might encounter if you were to step outside during a rainstorm. Rain consists of water, which is formerly vapor, but under underwent a process known as precipitation, one of the three phenomena in the water cycles, and by now this tedious description must have you back to sleep so that you may avoid this gruesome details of my of my account of Violet, Klaus, and Sunny Baudelaire as they made their way through the Gorgonian Grotto back to the Queequeg. The Baudelaire orphans knew that something was very wrong the moment they arrived at the submarine, knocked on the metal hatch, and heard no answer from the captain inside. It had been dark, a dark, cold journey back to the cave, and it made it more difficult by the fact that they were swimming against the tide rather than letting the current carry them along. Klaus, who was leading the way, swept one arm in front of him from one side, from side to side, fearful that he would miss the Queequeg altogether or brush his hand against something so sinister lurking in the cavern. Fiona trembled through the entire journey, and Violet could see could feel her nervous fingers twitching as she held her hand. Sunny and Sunny tried not to panic inside the diving helmet, but as her siblings swam, as her siblings swim made her bounce up and down in the blackness of the youngest the youngest Baudelaire could not see a single light through the small round window in her helmet. But as with all the Baudelaires, the con- as she concentrated on arriving safely and the thought of returning to the Queequeg felt like a small light glowing in the gloom of the grotto. Soon the Baudelaires thought that they would hear the booming eye of the Captain Wittershins as he welcomed them back from their mission. Perhaps Phil would have cooked them a nice hot meal, but even without culinary assistance from Sunny. And perhaps the telegram device would have received another volunteer factual dispatch, one that might help them them find the sugar bowl so that their entire journey would not have been a fool's errand. But when Klaus led them to the hatch, they found no sign that anyone aboard the Queequeg was welcoming them. After knocking for several minutes, the worried children had to open the hatch by themselves, a difficult hatch task in the dark and entered the passage way quickly by closing the hatch behind them they grew more and more worried as they discovered that nobody had inactivated had activated the hatch so it was quite a bit of water flowing into the passageway and poured down into the room in which the Baudelaire's had first met captain Wittershins they could hear 
They could hear the water splashing on the submarine floor as they began to climb down and strained to hear the captain shouting, Aye, what a mess! Aye, this valve is broken! Or even something optimistic from Phil like, Look at the bright side! It's like having a wading pool! Captain Widdershins, Violet cried out. Stepfather, Fiona called with her muffled, muffled, her voice muffled through hers. Phil, Klaus called. Crew, Sunny called. No answers. Nobody answered these calls and nobody commented on the water from the passageway. And when the volunteers reached the end of the passageway and lowered themselves into a small dim room, they found nobody there to meet them. Stepfather, Fiona cried out again. But the only thing that only... But they heard only the movement of the water as it settled into a large puddle on the floor. Without bothering to take off their helmets, the four children splashed through the water and hurried down the hallway past the plaque of the, cabin, of the captain's personal philosophy engraved in it until they reached the Miami Main Hall. The room was just as enormous as ever, of course, with all those bewildering pipes, panels, and warning signs, although it seemed as if the place had been tidied up a bit. And there was now a bit of decoration near the wood table where the Baudelaire's had eaten Sunny's chowder and planned their journey through the Gorgonian, Gorgonian Grotto. Tied to three chairs were small blue balloons, hovered in the air, and each balloon had a letter on the surface of them. First read V, then F, then D. VFD, Violet said. Do you think it's a code? I'm not interested in codes at the moment, Fiona said, her voice tense and echoey inside the helmet. I want to find my crewmates. Look around, everyone. The, Bodo, the Baudelaire's looked around the room, but it seemed as empty and as lonely, lonely as the grotto. Without the enormous presence of, presence of Captain Wittershins, the enormous presence is a phrase here which means large physical size combined with a vibrantly per, vibrant personality and a loud voice. The main hall seemed, to utterly, seemed utterly deserted. Maybe they're in the kitchen, Klaus thought, although it didn't sound like he believed, it didn't, he sounded like he didn't believe it himself. Or napping in the barracks? They wouldn't have they wouldn't have napped, Violet said. They'd be waiting for us the entire time. Fiona took a step towards the door of the kitchen, but then stopped and looked at the wooden table. Their helmets are gone, she said. Both Phil and my stepfather were keeping their diving helmets on the table in case of an emergency. She ran her hand along the table as if she could make the helmets repair, reappear. They're gone, she said. They've left the Queequeg. I can't believe that. Klaus said, shaking his head. They knew we were traveling through the grotto. They wouldn't abandon their fellow volunteers. Maybe she thought that we aren't coming back, Fiona said. No, Violet said, pointing to the panel on the wall. They could see us. We were the tiny green dots on the detector. The children looked at the sonar, hoping to see what they might hoping to see dots that might represent their missing crewmates. They must have had a very good reason to leave, Fiona said. What would that reason be, Klaus said. No matter what occurred, they would have waited for us. No, Fiona said. Sadly, she removed her, her diving helmet, and the middle Baudelaire saw that she had tears in her eyes. No matter what occurred, she said, my stepfather would have hesitated, or he or she who has wouldn't hesitate. He or she who hesitates is lost, Klaus finished for her and put his hand on her shoulder. Maybe they didn't go on their own, they didn't go on their own voltation. Violet said, using a phrase here, which means, by choice, maybe somebody took them. The Took the crew away, Klaus said, and left the three balloons. It's a mystery, Violet said, but I'm sure that we can solve it. Let's just take off our helmets and get to work. Klaus nodded and removed his diving helmet, putting it down on the floor next to Fiona's. Violet removed hers, and then she went to open the tiny doors of Sunny's helmet so the youngest Baudelaire could 
uncurl herself from a small enclosed space and join her siblings. But Fiona grabbed Violet's hand before it could reach the helmet and stopped her pointing through the small round window in Sunny's helmet. There are many things in this world that are difficult to see. An ice cube and a water of glass, for instance, might be unnoticed, particularly because the ice cube is small and the glass of water is 10 miles oh, is ten miles in diameter. 10 miles? Wait, what? Okay. A short woman might be difficult to see in a crowd of a city street, particularly because if she has a disguise on herself as a mailbox and people keep putting letters in her mouth. A small ceramic bowl with a tight-fitting lid to keep something important inside might be difficult to find in a laundry room of an enormous hotel, particularly if there were a terrible villain nearby making you feel nervous and distracted. But there are also things in, that are difficult to see, not because of the size of their surroundings or clever disguise of the treacherous person, with a book of matches in his pocket and a fiendish plot on his brain, but because things are so upsetting to look at, so distressing to believe, that it is as if your eyes refuse to see what is right in front of them. You can glance into a mirror and see how old you are growing or unattractive your hairstyle has become until someone kindly points out those things to you. You can gaze upon a place that you've once lived and not see how terribly the building has changed or how sinister the neighborhood has become until you walk a few places Walk a few paces in an ice cream store and notice that your father, your favorite flavor has been discontinued. And then you can stare into a small round window of a diving helmet, as Violet and Klaus did at that moment, and not see the stalks of the caps of the terrible gray fungus growing poisonously on the glass until someone utters the scientific name in a horrified whisper. It's the the medu medusoid mycelium, Fiona said, and the two older Baudelaire's blinked and saw it was so. Oh no, Violet said. Oh no, get her out, Klaus cried. Get Sunny out at once. She'll be poisoned. No, Fiona said and snatched the helmet away from her sibling. Away, away from the sibling, she put down the, on the table as if it were a tureen, a word here which means a wide deep dish for serving stew or soup instead of a small terrified girl curled up in a piece of a deep sea equipment. The diving helmet can serve as a quarantine if we open it. The fungus will spread. The entire submarine could become a field of mushrooms. We can't leave my sister in there, Violet said. The spores will poison her. She's probably already been poisoned, Fiona said. In a small enclosed space like a helmet, there's no way she could escape. That can't be true, Klaus said, taking his glasses off and refusing to see the horror of the situation. But that moment, their predicament became perfectly clear as the children heard a small eerie sound come from the helmet. It reminded Violet and Klaus of the fish in the stricken stream struggling to breathe in the ashy black waters. Sunny was coughing. Sunny, Klaus shouted into the helmet. Milady, Sunny said, which meant I'm beginning to feel unwell. Don't talk, Sunny, Fiona called through the tiny window of a helmet and turned to the elder Baudelaire. The mycelium has destructive re respiratory capabilities. The my mycologist explained walking over to the to the sideboard that's what it said in the letter your sister should have saved her breath the spores will make more and more difficult for sunny to talk and she'll probably start coughing as the fungus grows inside of her it in an hour's time she won't be able to breathe it'll be it would be fascinating if that weren't so horrible fascinating violet covered her mouth with her hands and shut her eyes not trying to imagine what terif her terrified sister what she was feeling what can we do we can make an antidote, Violet said. There must be some useful information in my mycology library. I'll help, Klaus said. I'll find 
the books that are difficult to read, but no, Fiona said, I need to be alone to do research. You and Violet should climb up that rope ladder and fire up the engine so we can get out of this cave. But we should do all the re but we should all do the research, Violet said, if we only have an hour or maybe less. If the mushrooms grow while we swam while we swim back to the Queequeg, then we certainly don't have time to argue, Fiona finished opening the cabinet and removing a large pile of books. I order you to leave me alone so that I can research this and save your sister. The elder Baudelaire looked at one another. Baudelaire's looked at one another and then at the diving helmet at the table. You you order us, Klaus? I, Fiona cried, and the children realized that it was the first time the mycologist had uttered the word, I'm in charge here with my stepfather gone. I'm the captain of the Queequeg. I... It doesn't matter who the captain is, Violet said. The important thing is to save my sister. Climb up that rope ladder, Fiona cried. Aye, fire up the engines. Aye, we're going to save Sunny. Aye, and find my stepfather. Aye, and retrieve the sugar bowl. Aye, and it's no time to hesitate. She who hesitates is lost. That's my personal philosophy. That's the captain's personal philosophy, Klaus said, not yours. I am the captain, Fiona said fiercely. The middle Baudelaire could see that from behind her triangular glasses. The mycologist was crying. Go and do what I say. Klaus opened his mouth to say something, but found that he too was crying, and without another word turned to his turned from his friend and walked over to the rope ladder with Violet following behind. She's wrong, the eldest Baudelaire whispered. You know she's wrong, Klaus. What are we going to do? We're going to fire up the engines, Klaus said, and steer the Queequeg out of this cave. But you... But that won't save Sunny, Violet asked. Don't you remember the description of the medusoid mycelium? A single spore has such a grim power, Klaus said, that you may die within the hour. Of course I remember. Hour, Sunny said fearfully outside the helmet. Shush, Violet said. Save your breath, Sunny. We'll find a way to cure you right away. Not right away, Klaus said sadly. Fiona is the captain and she ordered us. I don't care what Fiona orders are. What Fiona's orders are, Violet said. She's too volatile to get us out of this situation, just like her stepfather and just like her brother. The eldest Baudelaire reached into the pocket of the uniform and drew out a newspaper clipping that she had taken from the grotto. Her hand had brushed against the tiny, the tent of wasabi that she sh and she shivered, hoping that her sister would recuperate and live out to you to use the japanese condiment one in one of her recipes one of her recipes listen to this klaus i don't want to listen klaus said in an angry whisper maybe fiona's right maybe we shouldn't hesitate particularly at a time like this if we don't get an antidote into our sister she might perish hesitating will only make things worse firing up the engines instead of helping fiona with her research will only make things worse violet said at that moment however both violet and klaus saw something that made things worse they realized that they had both been wrong. The two Baudelaire's shouldn't have been firing up the engines of the Queequeg, and they shouldn't have been helping Fiona with her research, and they shouldn't have been among one another. The Baudelaire's and Fiona, too, should have been standing very still, not trying to make the smallest noise, and instead of looking in the diving helmet where their sister was suffering from the poison of the medusoid mycelium, they should have been looking at the submarine's sonar detector or at the par out the porthole of the side of the cave on the green panel, it was glowing Q, presenting Queequeg, but this was another thing that the world could see. That was difficult to see because another glowing green symbol was occupying the very same space, and outside the porthole was a mass of small metal tubes circling the gloomy waters and making thousands and thousands of bubbles, and in the middle of all those tubes was a large open space like a gigantic hungry mouth, the mouth of an octopus. 
about to devour the Queequeg and all of its remaining crew. The image on the sonar detector, of course, was an eye, and from the view of the porthole was a submarine. But either way, the children knew it was Count Olaf, and that made things much worse indeed. Ooh.